The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi and welcome to episode 150 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. A very special hello to those of you who are new to the show. Maybe you found me in the recent Pop Sugar piece about the best podcast to help your relationship with food. What an honor to be in that group and I will say, I hope that this podcast helps you along your food peace journey. Food peace is the way that I like to describe making amends with food and moving towards body respect and self-compassion and really helping the world to be less diet culture-y and fat phobic. So I hope this episode helps and I welcome you along this journey. So this episode is going to be a really special one because I have a letter from someone who has been recovering from their own eating disorder and has the opportunity to really influence children and their own relationship with food. This person's a teacher, but I know there's a lot of us who work with kids on different levels and, you know, food comes up because we do eat many times throughout the day and we all have bodies. So body talk happens. And this person's wondering what they can do to help kids to not get sucked down into diet culture. And, you know, some people by going down the path of diet culture also then go down that really, really horrible, tough path of an eating disorder. We know that eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So preventing that is really important, of course. But This letter writer brings up some really important points, including, well, I want to be respectful of people's families and what they are teaching their kids. So where's the line? How do I respect a person's family's upbringing while also preventing diet culture and promoting food peace? I'm really excited to get to this episode's letter. But before we do that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. PCOS, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome, 
Well, it's a condition that many people are told they have to diet in order to control. And well, we know diets don't work for most people, so why would they work to help treat PCOS? Well, I have another way. If you are looking to um, heal your relationship with food, recover from an eating disorder, and you're affected by PCOS, I designed a course just for you. It has 12 steps that I take clients through to teach them to promote health and healing while affected by PCOS. You can get to all the details at pcosandfoodpeace.com. If you're a dietitian wanting to do the same work with your clients, I also have a course for you that gives you 20 continue education units. You can get to all the information on that course at pcosandfoodpeace.com slash dietitians. Third Wheeled is a social media advocacy platform that raises awareness of eating disorders in LGBTQ communities. Started by a queer couple whose writing addresses the intersectionality of eating disorders and body image, including gender dysphoria, a queer identity, trauma, and gender identity and expression. CJ and OJ provide a dual perspective of eating disorder recovery through the lens of a non-binary person in recovery and of a non-traditional family carer who just happens to also be a registered dietitian. CJ and OJ would love to work with eating disorder professionals on cultivating inclusive treatment for eating disorders in LGBTQ communities and are available to discuss training, webinars, and speaking engagements. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at thirdwheeled or email them at info at thirdwheeled.com. I'm going to spell third wheeled just in case it doesn't translate well, but also know all the information is in the show notes. Third wheeled is T-H-I-R-D-W-H-E-E-L-E-D.com. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dear Food, Since I was diagnosed with an eating disorder over four years ago, our relationship went from one of anger and neglect to one of cautious optimism. Over years of intensive work, I have slowly regained trust in both you as well as my body's ability to use you. Rather than defining our existence by calories, weights, and other numbers, I now see you something to be valued in your entirety. I enjoy you in social events and gatherings, as well as on my own. I'm no longer shackled by the rules that I thought I needed in order to be safe. While I'm still learning to appreciate the body you gave me, I have fallen head over heels in love with the life that you have allowed me to live. I never would have believed that our relationship could evolve into what it is today. And for that, I am grateful. My question, Food, is how do I talk about you with others? I'm thinking specifically with regards to my work. I currently work as a reading specialist at a school for kids with learning differences. My students seem to have a lot of questions about food. They comment on what they are eating as well as what I'm eating. Since my work is all one-on-one, I have a lot of time to address their concerns head-on. I only have seven students per year, and I get to know them very well. They are in middle school and high school. I want to let them know, Food, that you are safe and can be enjoyed. They don't need to fear you like I used to. However, I don't want to go against messages their parents may be sending them. If their parents tell them certain foods are off limits, I feel like I can't say otherwise. I tread a fine line as an educator between teaching my students what I think is true and going against messages they may be receiving at home. Further, because this issue is so near to my heart, I find myself struggling when I hear my students agonizing over food choices. I want to help them, but I'm not sure if I would be overstepping. I don't want to cross that boundary, especially because I do know that I have an emotional investment and somewhat biased opinion on the topic. I also recognize that I'm not always 100% equipped to talk about you and I need to protect my own well-being. I guess my question for you is, to what degree can and should I bring my knowledge of food peace to my role as an educator? How can I talk about you in a way that feels comfortable to me and does not overstep my boundaries? Signed, Teaching and Listening. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. And I am really excited for you as you're leaning in towards recovery and what that looks like for you. And I'm ecstatic that as you're building up your recovery, that you get a chance to influence young people in such a way that you describe. You do have this wonderful opportunity. And I hope that the next few minutes I can share with you some tangible ways that you can do that without um, overstepping any kind of food ways that a person may have in their own family. I do think that's important. I do appreciate the boundary of promoting food peace and respecting someone's family's food ways. Certainly, there are religious or spiritual reasons that people choose to eat a certain way. Of course, a common example is some people with uh, certain religions will practice vegetarianism 
veganism. And I know for me in my work, I never, ever want to step in in the way of that. You know, I feel like someone's religion or spiritual practice is as close as you can get to someone's soul. And yeah, I have no business messing with that. But I do think there is a difference between teaching food fear and fat phobia and religious beliefs. Certainly there can be some tension between those, but for the most part, when someone is afraid of a food or someone is bullying someone because of how their body looks, well, that's where I think you can come in. And already I noticed that you have found a way to describe how these children are learning differently than a lot of people do in the mainstream. You mentioned that you work at a place for kids with learning differences. And, you know, I remember in the 80s and 90s how we used to call that learning disabilities. And we've already found a different way to explain it because it's just a difference. So I would encourage you to use that same way of thinking when it comes to food. And this is where you certainly are going to have more knowledge than me. I think as teachers, you really get that kids are, when they're young, they're not going to understand things that they're going to get when they're adults. Like we don't teach calculus to kids in kindergarten, and we don't teach um, how to diagram sentences to kids when they're in preschool. You know, we don't do those things because emotionally, they're just not mature enough to do that. Their way that their brain is wired at that point is just not as savvy And it's not that they're dumb. It's not that they're doing it wrong. It's just, they're just not ready yet. Or they have a difference. That's all. And I think with food, we get trapped into this way of thinking that it's either good or bad. And we forget that little minds or young people, they really can't appreciate that really abstract, ambiguous concept of moderation which I feel like when people say this food is good versus bad, that's really what they're trying to point out is like, oh, we should just have this food every once in a while. And those words like shoulds and good and bad to a young mind is very concrete. And they're only gonna know it based on behavior type things. Like if I eat this bad food, then that means I'm bad. Like when I punch my brother. And I don't think that's what we really mean. I hope not at least. So for you, letter writer, and anyone who's an educator, I love learning from you and how you've learned to teach concepts over a person's lifespan and how we need to mold that to where they are instead of just having one blanket statement for everybody in K through 12th grade. And so with food, what I like to do is I like to say the phrase, In my family, we dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And the reason why I say that is because I do want to be respectful of food ways in a person's family. It's important to do that because a person's caregiver, when they packed a lunch, they did that because they want to take care of them. They were nurturing them. They love them. And They may not have realized that when they were packing that lunch, I know for me, when I'm putting it together at 10 o'clock at night and I'm exhausted, sometimes that's not floating through my head. But in reality, it's part of how I take care of my children. And it's also how we all are teaching things like our cultural background, our religion, 
our belief system, it's important to respect that. I totally agree with you. And I think it's important to just notice that boundary. And I think there are so many things you can still do to help promote food peace for kids that you're working with. So I have five different ways that you can promote food peace in your classroom. And the first one is to model food peace and body respect behaviors. I think it's really important to teach people just words to communicate how their body is wired or how it's thinking. And what I mean by that is I think it's important, especially when I'm talking to young, pe- young people, is to say things like, my body's telling me I need a break. I'm hungry. Or my body is telling me I didn't have enough for lunch. Wow, I should have packed more. Or I think I ate more than my body needed at lunch. I'm feeling a little sleepy. That's okay. I'll do it differently next time. Using those types of phrases gives people a language, gives people uh, phrases that they can experiment for themselves, and they're just really good examples. And for those kids that you're thinking about, letter writer or anybody else who is influencing children in this way, you may know some children in your life who you're pretty sure they live in a fat phobic household or they're constantly having to be on a diet. And you know, using these kinds of phrases just helps them to hear another way. Modeling this kind of behavior and verbalizing it, even if it feels kind of odd, gives them another set of tools to help them just relate to their body differently. It's something that I know many people will say later on that they found super helpful, and I have a feeling your kids will too. All right, let's move on to number two. The second way that you can help promote food peace in the classroom is by helping kids to understand how they feel hungry, how they feel full, how they feel satisfied. And the way you do that is there's going to be a point, and I'm sure it actually happens many times throughout the day, where a student will say something like, I'm hungry. One of the really neat things that we can do in that moment is just ask them, how do they know? How do you know you're hungry? And it's going to be different for everyone. I would really encourage you to not judge it or to lead them on. Um, I say that because sometimes people will say, oh, you're just bored. Or, you know, if your stomach isn't growling, then you're not really hungry. That's not what I encourage you to do. What I would say is I would just encourage them to find out what that means for them. And honestly, the first, first few times, it's really normal for people to be like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know how I know. Because they never really ask themselves that. And they don't have an open dialogue about this way that their body works. So asking, how do you know you're hungry? They may say that they're just thinking about food. They may say that they can feel their stomach growling or it feels empty. If someone really is struggling to have just a vocabulary around that, what you can do is say, you know, everyone's different in how they know they're hungry. I know for me, I can tell that I'm ready for a meal when I feel this way. And then sometimes I know I'm ready for a snack when I feel this way. Give them some examples that are personal for you. It's a really neat dialogue to have, and I think it's really important. It's something probably 100 years ago we did not need at all, 
but we do now because diet culture teaches us to not trust our body. And food peace, kind of the goal that I have in mind with the journey is relying on your body and trusting it and having lots of compassion along the way. And so if we help kids to just know that the way their body communicates it and then respond in a compassionate way, well, that's a really wonderful thing you can give them. That compassionate way to respond to, I forgot to mention, if when someone says that they're hungry, but maybe you still have another 20 minutes until it's time for lunch, you can give them the dialogue to communicate that to their body and that tell your body that it'll be okay. And in about 20 minutes, it'll be time for lunch and you'll be able to feel satisfied with food at that point. Because part of our human body that makes it pretty amazing is that we're going to be okay. As long as we're not going through malnutrition, you know, we can pause for 20 minutes and we'll be okay to eat when it is time, um, when the lunch bell rings or whatever. All right, let's move on to number three. So the third way that you can promote food peace in the classroom is how you have a dialogue about food and weight. For you, letter writer, or anyone who can relate to this letter, I'm wondering what you needed along your food peace journey to feel more compassion and trust toward your body. I wonder what you needed to hear about bodies and your own body in order to just be kinder to it and to not go down that bumpy, twisted, and really tough spot of eating disorders. For a lot of people, I know that they needed to hear language about the body that was either neutral or positive. It was respectful. And so when you talk about food, use words like all foods fit, there are no bad foods, and food gives us energy. Oh, my body is feeling stronger after having that meal. Using things that are either neutral or positive, I think is really important. Showing compassion and kindness, and again, modeling that that along the way will emphasize this third way of promoting food peace. All right, number four. The fourth way to promote food peace in the classroom has to do with the teaching materials you use. Anyone who's a teacher or just takes care of kids in any way, take a really good long look at all the books, worksheets, examples, videos, and be sure that there's not obvious or hidden fat phobia or diet culture lurking in there. All too often, I see examples of this with my own children, with my clients, and then on social media. Examples of math worksheets that are encouraging kids to count how many calories they have just to give them a way to practice certain types of math equations or um, doing comparing of body weights in class. Oh my gosh, that's such a really, really damaging one for so many people. Um, Really just trying to make sure that the materials you're using support food peace. And this is something that I know will take time. I feel like for a lot of us, all of a sudden they're just there. Like we may not realize that they're in a lot of the work we're using. And it's really important to make sure that we do something about it. And if you're feeling like you have the mojo to um, talk to people in the administrative side of your school, um, letting them know about these hidden areas that can be harmful 
for people in their own body image. One thing we know about body image and education is that when someone's experiencing negative body image for any reason, it's distracting. It's really distracting. It keeps people from learning. And so we can make sure that school administrators know that if we want students to learn, we need to make sure that we help kids have a positive or at least neutral experience in their body and also give people the chance to feel safe and at home in their own school. One step um, even forward in that, in your examples as you're helping people to to learn is use examples. Um, that could be types of attuned eating or intuitive eating, ways that we can promote food peace. Use those in the examples instead of the fat phobic ones. I know for me, when my kids bring home something that has fat phobic or diet culture themes, well, they still have to do the homework and I'm still gonna be contacting their teachers Yet what we can do at home is rewrite it to make it better or more correct, um, or at least point out how it is problematic. So I would encourage you to do the same. All right, number five, the last way you can help promote food peace in the classroom is to make sure that you are making the space safe for people of all different types of bodies. Weight-based bullying is something that is so normal And we need to change that. So really keep your ears open to how people talk about bodies. And it may not even be a kid in your classroom that they're talking about, but when you hear someone talking about bodies, especially in a way that is um, harmful or making fun of their body, to make sure that you speak up and say, you know what? No one appreciates hearing how their body looks. It's not okay to talk about bodies in a disparaging way in, in this classroom. You can really make a big impact by doing that. My clients that I work with who are way older than school age now, they often talk about how they wish someone would have spoken up back when they were in school. It would have really helped to change the course of their food peace journey. Along those same lines, be sure that the place that you have in your classroom is comfortable for all different types of bodies. The students that are in higher weight bodies often will tell me how uncomfortable school chairs are. And be sure that the the types of chairs you have or the accommodations in general in your classroom are accommodating for different types of bodies. And I think this is something that, again, that you could even bring to the administration or to other teachers to make sure they're allowing that as well. So those are the five different ways that we can help promote food peace in the classroom. I know I missed a bunch. So what I missed, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at julie at juliedillandrd.com and let me know the ways that you're helping to promote food peace in the classroom. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope that helps you to give you some ways to change the culture in your classroom. I'm really excited that you're thinking about this and it's gonna make a really big difference. And I have a feeling you already have. I see food has written back. Before we get to it, this episode of a Love Food Podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. You can get to all the information at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you left a rating, review, subscribed, or shared the episode. Doing any of those acts of kindness really helps the show grow. 
All right. So until next time, take care. Dear teaching and listening, our rocky relationship is on the mend and we are so grateful. Your own food peace journey will help others, especially the students you work with every day. Be sure to hand them the phrases you needed to learn body respect, self-compassion, and size diversity. Protect those needing safety and allow your classroom to thrive with differences. Even if kids don't see the examples at home, modeling this will give them the stepping stones to food peace. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.